Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. On today's episode, we had the pleasure of connecting with Jennifer Grimson. She's an investor from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and she has probably one of the most inspiring stories I've personally ever heard. Correct, Anjessa? Oh, yeah. Perseverance and grit. This is what this is about. She's dealt with bankruptcy twice, lost everything twice, uh, been ho- you know without a home twice. So she's been able to, to figure out a lot of different things along her kind of path. And one of, the thing, one of the things I think will be most helpful to talk about is, yes, she's created income-producing properties. Yes, she's now becoming a passive investor and in buying multifamilies passively with, with, with others. One of her first things she did, which I think you'll get a lot out of, is moving through crisis. And she gives some very specific tactical steps on how to really move through crisis. Because like all of us, regardless of where we are in our life, we can, we can deal with crisis, small way, large way. We all deal with these, these things of moving through a situation and we got to get through it. And she gives some really helpful, specific actions on how to get through that. Yeah, because if we don't deal with that, we, it doesn't matter the exit strategy, right? So after that part, she started building what she calls her micro empire. And she goes in details, what does that look like? Because that might look different from you than might look different for me. And we really like own the word empire. We talked about it, right? Oh, it feels overwhelming. But what comes down to is, what do you need? What works for you? for your lifestyle. You don't need to have hundreds and hundreds on unit to do not consider what you have, your own empire. So this is just full of inspiration, but also very tactic, step-by-step steps that you can take on your business today. So enjoy this episode. Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with Rent to Retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. 
and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investors Show. We have an amazing guest like we do every week. Of course, we're biased, but I absolutely love the women we interview, right, Andresa? They're just- That's right. Just, I really do. I, they're just amazing. So um, Jennifer Grimson, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for uh, joining us, joining the women that, that you know, listen, listen and are part of our community. So we appreciate you and thank you for sharing your story with us today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a fan. I'm, you know, getting a little schwitzy, just excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I like that word, schwitzy. Um, but thank you. And we're going to jump into Jennifer's story here in a moment. And uh, before we do that, we always like to get connected to all of you, even though we can't see you. Uh, we feel you and we can, you know, feel that presence of, of the amazing women that are listening and are on this journey with us. So I always like to remind people of that, like Andressa and I, right? We started this two years ago with the intent to be creating a community that we are a part of, right? It's not us at the front. It's us together with all the women that we're in this journey with, but between the meetups and the community that we're building, it's just really inspiring because we feel like we're part of it with you, you know? So uh, as we always do, we'd like to kind of connect with you and share a quick little tip, strategy, learning, or something else we want to tell you at the beginning before we get into Jennifer's story. So Andressa, what is up with you and what, what, what do you want to share with our uh, lovely women listening? Well, um, two weeks ago, Liz Ashley Wilson and I, we took ourselves to um, a day and a half retreat in a resort nearby uh, in order to brainstorm, brainstorm uh, short-term goals, long-term goals, our vision, and really, it, it was really energetic. We worked very hard, and um, when I left, I felt a lot of energy, which didn't make any sense because we, we were like... Uh, we put a lot of hours into that. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so much energy out of it. But it's because we are really passionate about it. And one thing that Liz taught me uh, during that, um, that retreat that I want to share with all of you guys, because after that, I keep, I keep talking about this like everywhere. And I look at it everywhere. It's about having money in the bank. Let me explain to you guys what does that mean, right? In terms of relationships. Um, when somebody comes to you and either are like criticizing or giving you like, hey, oh, I, I, you know, I, you did a great job with this rehab, but I didn't like the tile in the bathroom. You react to that comment in completely different ways if depending on how much money that person has in the bank, meaning... If you have built a relationship with that person, you're going to hear completely different if somebody that just like, oh, showed up, you don't know that person, that person doesn't know you, and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Why don't you do your own bathroom or whatever it is? <laughs> so going a little bit further, think about your relationships with your team members, right? Do you guys have money in the bank with, it, with each other? Because if you don't, if you don't build that, if you don't take the time, consciously choose the time to build that relationship and make deposits in each other banks, you're going to hear things differently. You're going to take it as a criticism and not like a support or a heads up. And I am like looking everywhere, and I'm asking myself with my friends, with my family, with my team members, 
how much money do I have in the bank with you? Oh, wait, my, my balance here is a little low. So I need to make an effort, even if it is a Zoom call that you listen, friends, let's have a, a, a Zoom call to, to chat and, and put money in the bank. Meaning yeah. what's going on in your life? What is important to you and vice versa? And I, I, I'm telling you, like having money in the bank is like a foundation for a house, but it's a foundation for your relationship too. So when conflicts happen, in my perspective, is because there's very low money in the bank there or something needs to, to happen, a breakthrough for, for that to really flourish. Uh, so Liz, thank you for that. You should, think, you should like write more about yeah, it. Yeah, I wish I created it. I wish <laughs> yeah, I created it, but I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I think it was Stephen Covey. I think it was Stephen Covey in one of the books that he, I forget which one, because he's written so many. Um, but he talked about that emo emotional bank account. And uh, if you're constantly withdrawing and withdrawing, it's just like a, it's like a normal bank account, right? You can't take money out of an account that has no money in it. So, right, you and I were talking about the whole emotional side of it and just how you have to put deposits. And yeah, it's like, you know, uh, you know, Andressa, right? We had a call last week um, and just, you know, just, just we're, not, we're not hearing each other, right? Mm -hmm. But we've made a lot of deposits, right? So that wasn't like, oh, I'm done with this with this person. <laughs> Forget her, you know? See ya. No. See ya. But seriously, if that was not the case, we'd, you know, and then it's like, okay, let's have some more, you know, so it's just got to keep deposits, got especially now, right? With crazy, crazy pandemic, got to keep making deposits in the relationships right. that are important to you. So, well, I'm glad. I'm glad my, my, uh, my, my, my suggestion there was helpful and I, yes. I got to take my own advice, right? Too. Um, <laughs> So without further ado, Jennifer, thanks again for being on. Um, uh, Jennifer, I, 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 love, I love this podcast because I get a chance to connect and so many things on Jessa with just really, really amazing women. And um, we take this seriously, ladies. Uh, Jennifer and I had a call a few weeks ago and we just were connecting and chatting and just, you know, just, uh, you know, learning a little more about each other. And uh, her story is like, hold on, hold on, let's wait for the podcast recording because I love what she has to say. So, um, so Jennifer, share with the women as we jump into your story, you know, what, what motivated you, what propelled you, what inspired you to get involved in investing? Uh, necessity. Um, so necessity being the mother of invention. Um, I, uh, my money story is that I lost everything twice. So twice in my life, I found myself with no job, no car, no place to live, no money in the bank, two children to take care of, um, and no place to live and in chapter 13 bankruptcy. And I managed to do that twice. And um, the second time I realized I mean, I always knew that real estate could be a foundation that I could build on. But when you're hit like that a couple of times, and my mistakes, my money mistakes are relational, were relational. Mm -hmm. So they weren't that I made poor investments. It wasn't that I loved to buy purses. Um, I've always been a very frugal. It's that I turned my, my uh, financial well-being over to another human being, which you should never do. And um, that's a mistake that a lot of people make, not just women. But a lot of people, uh, you know, 25 years of marriage, they head into a divorce and all of a sudden the covers come back and you realize what's been going on because money is a difficult conversation. So the second time I decided that um, I was going to build 
back in a way that what I call my micro empires. So little tiny empires of, of wealth. And I'm using my finger quotes because wealth is different to everyone. For me, wealth was just stability, the ability to have options and the ability to have time. So I knew I could get a corporate job, which I did. And I had a good high paying corporate job. Um, So despite having that, I still went through these financial turmoil, um, but it wasn't enough. I wasn't building wealth. I was just getting by. Um, so I, I scraped back from the bottom, was able to make my per- first purchase in Nashville, Tennessee in sort of a rough neighborhood in a house. And then I discovered Airbnb in 2014. And that's when I, it just took off. And I was able by house hacking, by you know keeping moving, keeping moving and getting on that Airbnb train early, um, I was able to ultimately ultimately build in four years, $1.4 million in income producing assets. Um, not easy, not fun, not comfortable, but I would have chewed my own arm off to have stability <laughs> having been through what I had been through. And I learned along the way, I joined an investing group. I joined um, a real estate group. I had to learn this whole language that I didn't know. And it was exciting and exhilarating, but it also kind of really made me angry that there were these tools, self-directed IRAs, um, house hacking. It's another world out there that they are hiding. (laughs) That they're hiding, but they're not, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and because I was drinking the Kool-Aid like everyone else, I thought, well, the only option with a 401k is put money in it or wait till I retire or take it out and get penalized. Um, So when I started to learn about those tools and people started to ask me questions over and over and over again. And that's when the idea for the podcast came up, which is called Micro Empires. Really just to share, yes, what I went through, but I'm still building it. I'm still trying to accomplish financial independence. I am not there by a long shot. And I am not unusual and I'm in middle-aged. So it's not like, uh, you know, I hear some of these real estate investors say, oh, I got a late start, I'm 25. And I want to (laughs) punch them in the throat because that is crazy, Um, you know? And so I'm 52 and I share my age and I share the dollar amounts that I lost, the dollar amounts that I make, because it was part of that secrecy that, that, you know, everything about money can be very secret. So anyway, that's a long way of telling you that's how I got into real estate. I've mm-hmm. since shifted and moved out of short-term rental, but I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk about that too. Well, I'm going to start by saying that you look wonderful and I'm just not saying this. You guys can <laughs> see her face right now. You guys can tell me, right? You look wonderful. Thank you. So one thing that I want to, um, I just don't want to bypass this and I want to get into real estate, but I think that I just want to acknowledge and touch base on what's going on right now in the middle of a pandemic with a lot of women is the emotional drain that a lot of them are going through right now. Either that they realize that um, the relationship doesn't work anymore or they want to shift the careers and, and, and they're, they're asking themselves how because I am financially dependable of, of, of somebody or somebody got sick, uh, passed away or whatever the circumstance might be. But I am fin- financially dependable and that drains, drains your energy. It, it's an emotional, you know, hit. How did you overcome that part in your life? What have you done specifically 
to really like get out of the water, take a, uh, a breath, right? And then go, go back again. Because if that was not the case, real estate and exit strategies, it would not even be like, you won't be able to digest if you're not emotionally um, ready to receive it. So I'm curious on your journey, your experience, what have you done? Yeah, um, I detail this if anybody wants to know the absolute step-by-step, but the second time, um, and again, this, this, I'm not unique. My story is not unique, uh, but it is something that we typically keep a secret. I found myself literally with no place to live. And uh, again, with the children, not a penny in the bank, didn't own the car I was driving. Um, and I had, we moved in the second time with my sister. Um, and the first thing, and actually I have a book on my website, it's free, it's an ebook, and it's called Pivot and Thrive. And it's these three things that I've done in every crisis, I do them over and over and over again. The first thing I had to do was to ask myself, I call it 10, 10, 10, what can I do in the next 10 minutes, the next 10 days, the next 10 weeks, you know, 10 hours, however you want to break it down. Because when you're in crisis, you're freaking out and it's all so huge and you're taking such blame, I think especially women do. Um, So kind of breaking that down to, hey, I haven't eaten. I need to eat in the next 10 minutes. In the next 10 days, I need to, you know, just make sure the kids are in school. My, you know, my kids were in school at the time. I need, I wanted to keep them in their school. I need to look at my options. The second step is to ask, start asking questions because you think it's overwhelming. And usually when you're in crisis, your, your first thought is, how do I get that back? How do I get my marriage back? How do I get my job back? How do I get, how do I stay, you know, with my kids in private school and living in this neighborhood? When the answer may be, you're not gonna, and that's going to be the best path for you. So it helps to start asking questions, you know, can I look at this in a different way? And then to take, to take action. So for me, I moved in with my sister. She was kind enough to take us in for four months. I immediately, I mean, I had a, a, history of corporate world, but I'd been out of the corporate world for four years. So I had to rebuild that network. Thank God I never let go of my network. And then the one thing that I did have was a $47,000 401k that I had removed from the 401k and turned over to my partner who had a business and said that he would roll it into his, but he didn't. He just spent it. So um, number one, I kept a paper trail but I, I talk about this, I went back and took what was mine. And, so, and, and that was a lot of me standing up for me. I got an inch from his face and I said, you're gonna give it back to me because what you did was illegal. And I was able to get it back. I paid a huge tax consequence, but that's all the money I had in the world. And um, you never really know who you marry until you divorce them. And I think, um, and that goes both ways though, I wanna say, because that could be good and it can be bad. Um, God willing, if anybody's ever in this situation or has been, you find out who they are and hopefully you find out that they're fair and that they understand and you're fair to one another, you know, and in most circumstances with divorce, there's a little crazy and then it kind of mellows out. It wasn't the circumstance with me, with my, my first husband, um, the, what put me into financial ruin was he sued me 25 times in 10 years and that's what drove me into bankruptcy. And um, that was $500,000 in attorney's fees as well. So there, um, So anyway, that's a way to answer that. And I think the other big step was I had to forgive myself. Mm. Um, if, someone, if someone else is going to lie to you, whether it's your investor or a banker or your partner or your husband or your wife, 
and you believe them, that doesn't make you stupid <laughs> for believing them. Um, you know, trust is a choice. We all have to, you know, make decisions about that. But I do think um, forgiving myself and then coming up with tactical steps. I'm a very tactical person. So step one was to get a job. And that was through my network and then get a place to live and just start crawling back. My credit was ruined, um, you know, just crawling my way out of that hole. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. So then fast-forwarding, to your first investment property. So walk us through that. So you, you're, you're, this is the second time you, you, you know, went through what you went through. You're getting yourself, like you said, I love your um, 10, 10, and 10. I think that's, yeah. that's, a, really, that's a really cool um, way of approaching something. It's very tactical. And I feel like the more and more women Andressa and I talk to and we serve in our community, women really don't want fluff. They want to know, what do I do now? What do I do next? Like literally step by step. So for you, you're getting yourself in check, your, your job, all these different pieces you're putting in place, emotional, financial, 
mental, you know, got, got, had, had to have been very overwhelming and tough. You moved through that. So help us through that next step. So you got into yourself where to feel comfortable enough, right, to go into that first investment property. And how did you do that? How did you move through that, especially with bankruptcy on your record? Yeah. In chapter 13, bankruptcy um, ruins your, your credit for 10 years. So it's different than like chapter seven, chapter 11. Um, but it was strategic because it also protected me in some ways. But anyway, mm. um, the first thing I did was have to rebuild my credit. That took a solid three years. And this was before you could do credit karma on a phone. <laughs> this was literally calling them. It was, it was, it was laser focused. Um, you know, I'm a believer in the whiteboard vision board. And I was just focused on, I've got to clear this path for myself. So after three years, you know, and there's very strategic, uh, you know, very, very tactical things. And, um, you know, from everything from a secured credit card to just little hacks and chipping away at that. And that took three years. Um, then I was at a point where my credit score was pretty good. I had a good income and I had money in the bank, but I had this bankruptcy on my record. So, you know, I had people looking me in the face going, be realistic. You're not going to be able to buy a house. And I just refused to believe that. I just kept asking the question over and over and over to different people until someone said yes. And it's part of like your team, you know, you got to surround yourself, not in a way like you can do anything, but surround yourself by people who get your vision and get them on your team. So I'll, this is back when we had the yellow pages still, it was 2013. I mean, I could have Googled, but I was looking through the yellow pages. It was a Friday night and I found this mortgage company and it was in a neighborhood in Nashville that I knew was not a great neighborhood. It had Se Habla Espanol in their, in their advertisement. And I picked up, it's like 6.15 on a Friday and this guy named Luciano answered the phone and I said, Luciano, I know you're the one who's going to get me a mortgage. I know you've had worse cases than me and you're going to be the one. And he said, yes, I am. And he did. Um, it was a miracle. And I needed 20% down because, I, first of all, I didn't know you could get a house for 3% down. Learned that later. Um, but I wouldn't have qualified. My, my credit was so bad. But I literally um, took every penny, every savings. I cashed out stock. I sold everything because I, I had to raise $70,000. I bought a house probably too much money. It was $327,000. was too much of a house, but it was my dream house. And that house didn't owe me a dime because I ultimately turned it into an Airbnb and there was a lot of love and memories, et cetera. So that's how I got that house. And um, it was a miracle. It really was. Wow. I, I see a lot of like perseverance in, in really like continuing and in building your, what you're calling your uh, micro empire. Is that what you're calling? Yeah. Yeah. I love that because when you think about empire, you think about like tons, a lot, like a lot. And that for a lot of women is overwhelming or they blank say, I don't want an empire. I want, I want a simple life. What it, what matters to me is X, Y, and Z. And I don't need a whole thing that will consume my life. So Talk to, talk to little ladies more. If you can break down, what do you mean by a micro empire and why was that important to you? Yeah, that's such a great question. Uh, nobody's asked me that before. Um, 
I, and I, it, it's spot on because when I kept, I was trying to think how to describe this to someone because once I had that house and once I decided, when I started learning about investing in ways to make money, I was like, oh wait, I can do this and I can do that. And I can, I can hold a note. I can lend money. I could do a flip. Things that I didn't know about, I was, I didn't have the luxury of being able to put everything in, all my chips in. I had to be, I'm not a huge risk taker. I'm a small risk taker. I put my toe in the water because I had two children. I was the sole financial one responsible for them, needed to worry about their health insurance, et cetera. But it's important to me because I think an empire, your micro empire could be your stay-at-home mom and you just want to own that. You know what I mean? And there, that is fantastic. But if it's yours, if it's your baby, let's say it's a little business that you started making, I don't know, dog leashes and you're selling it. Well, that's your empire. If you built it and it's yours and it's your baby, then it's your empire. Um, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your, I considered my job. So I had a corporate job and I just made the decision I was going to be salesperson of the year because that's how I was going to get the most money. And I, and I did, I, I achieved that, but I achieved it by tactically taking steps every single day. You know, it wasn't like, gee, I just really hope so or whatever. It was, I'm going to do this because I need to have this empire, this this income producing uh, tool produce a bunch of more money so I can keep investing it. So I can keep making money with my money. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really powerful. And it's funny because um, we're releasing a book, the only woman in the room and my chapter is called strategic moments in building an empire. That's and good. I, yeah. And, and I didn't name the chapter. So, um, so I was thinking about it. I'm like, so Ashley thinks I have an empire. If that's the first thought, second thought, which is interesting. Second thought is like, okay, what is, what does that even mean? Right. And it's just like, I feel like so many times, and then I start dissecting my story and I'm like, all these words are made up. And we need, to, we need to align with words that motivate us and empower us and not make us feel bad. I feel like women, we have to give these like, well, what does an empire really mean? Because to me, someone say, say, I would write 25 characteristics. Even if I had 23 of them out of the 25, I would look at the two that I didn't have yet and say, that's not an empire or that's not a fill in the blank, right? Whatever that def- definition is. I, I just the empire just struck me because I think so many times, right? We, we have these loaded terms that should be motivating us and empowering us, but yet we, we self-criticize and, and whatever that looks like to you, whoever we're all, we all do it in different ways. I think as women, and we need to stop doing it. Like we kind of have to own it and say, yeah, we have built an empire. It may not look exactly like X, Y, and Z, but does anything? I mean, so I, I just, right. I, it really resonates with me quite honestly, selfishly, but more importantly, the lesson, right, that we all need to hear is how can we really, you know, take these words that empire, um, business, entrepreneur, whatever those words are that, that we're in, mom, <laughs> and, and really define it the way we want to define it that works for us in our life, right? That it moves us towards our goals, that moves us towards creating something beautiful, not making us feel bad or just comparing against an ideal. So that's why yeah. I love the idea of micro empire, right? Because empire can feel really big. That's what it felt like. I'm like, what am I, what do you want me to write on? 
what you know versus like yeah we built an empire damn it you know that's right <laughs> that was not my first reaction so i i guess too for you you know you had a pivot multiple times right and and then you start to then you bought your first property when did you convert it to an airbnb and what inspired you to do that and and what were the steps and how to like how you did that and walk us through that a little bit Okay. Um, I, I, I just wanted uh, to step back. So I always say that um, you should have, I, I have to have three streams of income at all times. And I talk to people on my show a lot about their money culture, what they were raised in, what their relationship with money is, et cetera. Um, and I'm saying this because one of the things that I do is I'm also an artist. So I was painting, I was in the studio painting. Um, but again, if I look at that, um, I haven't sold a painting in a long time. I really only do commissions, et cetera it's still my empire, dang it, you know, um, because it's mine and, it, and, and therefore it is. But um, okay. I, I was at the art studio. This was in late 2014 and someone told me about Airbnb and I wrote it down on a card. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and I think I went home and looked it up and it was at the time, well, not at the time, I'm sure there were much earlier adopters than me. So I don't want to make it sound like I was right there, but it was still a lot of people couch surfing, you know, sleeping on someone's couch in Europe, et cetera. And I had a friend living with me who had gone through a divorce and had asked if she could rent, um, some rooms for me. So she did, she was renting two bedrooms for me and uh, it was fine. She was paying a, you know, a reasonable amount, et cetera. And when I did the math, I realized that if I could get six nights a month, now I was being conservative, like rent my whole house. It was a three bedroom, two and a half bath. If, and I thought, I don't know, a hundred bucks. Like I totally had no idea what I was doing. If I could get um, six wasn't a hundred bucks. It was more than that. Anyway, I six nights a month was going to cover my mortgage. So I, and this was hard. This is, I talk a lot about this. You got to get really comfortable being uncomfortable. So I sat down with my dear friend who had been through a divorce and I said, you got to go, <laughs> you got to go. Cause I got this idea and it's going to create another stream of income that will cover my mortgage. There's nothing that's going to do that. And you know, she'd been there for 10 months and, you know, we're friends to this day, but that is a hard conversation to have with someone. Um, and then I converted the house, which was a whole lot of shoving stuff in one closet and locking it up and, <laughs> and opened it, put it on Airbnb just to see what would happen. And I booked the first every weekend for the first 30 days immediately. And then I booked like 90 days of weekends and I was um, staying at my mom's house, which was a horrible disaster, as you can imagine, um, staying on people's couches. So I made myself homeless pretty quickly. Um, and I was doing the cleaning myself, but it was just rapidly so lucrative and made such sense for travelers at the time in Nashville where a hotel room was going to be 300, 400 bucks and you could not get 10 people in. Um, it, you know, and this, this was just... An environment. So I quickly realized this was legit. I started telling my other real estate investor friends and they were like, that's not real. They didn't believe me. That's not real. like, really? Cause I'm making a lot of money. Um, and anyway, I, I then knew and had good credit that I could get another house at 3%. So that was my next goal. I then purchased a house with 3% down. I borrowed against my 401k. Also something I didn't know that I could do. Um, 
and purchased the house and moved in with an air mattress and a suitcase and my dog um, and had to furnish because I left everything behind. You have to, every spoon, every knife, every fork um, and, and furnished that house. And then I did it a third time. Um, and those houses were killing it for, for, uh, for the entire time until I, I sold them all 30 days before COVID hit, believe it or not. Wow. And it's funny because I was talking to our friend, Ashley, about that when I first met her talking about downplaying. And I was like, you know, I mean, I'd seen the numbers happening, but you know, I can't, I didn't predict COVID. And of course I didn't, but I was really downplaying that move, which has saved me financially. Um, and she was like, that's ridiculous. Don't do that. You did know, you knew, you didn't know COVID was coming, but you saw the market turning. You saw your numbers going down. You didn't wait you pulled the plug and sold it and sold them all. And especially the first one, I was so emotionally attached. Like I was hysterical crying over that house. And, but I walked away with all of this cash and I hadn't paid a mortgage in six years. So it was pretty how it feels. I know. We, we sued our first Airbnb too. And, um, it was really like, oh my gosh, let this go. It was like, what can we do over here? Um, it cash flow beautifully. And we actually, I was like, how, how I'm going to list this for sale during a pandemic? We did not need to, to, um, to sell it. We just wanted to, to sell it right now. Um, and then we had tenants staying there and I made an agreement that, uh, we'll show the house while they were there. So, um, there was no downtime in a week, got listed, got sold. So it was really good, uh, Airbnb business. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention is Airbnb now, after the pandemic, people are going to get back to traveling. So, you know, things will evolve. But one thing that for you ladies that are listening and thinking about, you know, investing in Airbnb, did you hear what, what she just said? All the things, the sacrifices, the mattresses, the cleaning, everything that she did it. Because I hear a lot of people who are looking to invest in Airbnb and they're saying, oh, I need to hire the cleaning company, the other software that changes the, the, the prices. How about this, that, and that, and that. And once I have all of that, then I go. You, you've got to come to Jesus' time and just do it. If you gotta uh, clean the houses sometimes or all the time at the beginning, you got to do it. When my cleaning lady didn't show up in one of the properties, guess who? Mm -hmm. Guess who went to have there? Go, go there and figure it out. You gotta do what you gotta do in order to move your business. Because at the end of the year, when, when, when we see that income compared to long-term, you're like, I'll do that all over again yeah. because it's really, it's really a different business, but don't get me wrong. There, there is a price for that. And if you do that strategically, consciously, it, it, that's, that's the right thing to do. So after all of that, tell, tell, tell us like a snapshot of where you are right now and where you're going, where you're heading. So I am, 
still examining my options, but I did, I, I am part of a joint venture and we purchased just a few weeks ago, 67 doors in Knoxville, Tennessee. So multifamily. Um, my husband has a 51 unit that he's actually selling, but this is after um, we took advantage of cost segregation also something I didn't know anything about. <laughs> Huge tax benefits. Um, and we'll be taking advantage of that again. So I'm interested what I've learned about myself in this. And Andressa, such a great point. Um, Airbnb is a very high touch, high overhead business. So if you want to earn the most about it, you put the most sweat in to it. And uh, what I learned, you got to know who you are, right? And who I am is not an incredible host. I don't really want to see you or make small talk at all. (laughs) And so um, that's important to know. So we did multifamily with the 51 unit. um, And even there, we had a management team. But even that, I was like, this is not we should, at the level of how far we were removed, we were not paying attention. Um, so I've realized I need to be a really passive investor in something like multifamily, really in all of it, because I have interests in other areas. Um, so, so that's what I'm doing, but I am looking for other investments. I've really been waiting because the money, like the stock market, um, hasn't made sense. The stock market is, ha, is no longer represents our economy. Um, and I don't think people realize that. And I talk to people about their money every day and only 17% of Americans have any savings. So people who are going to be affected are not just folks who make 40,000. You know, there, there are people out there, and I would say the majority of Americans, if they make 400,000, they spend 401,000. Like, the mindset around money in our country. So I've kind of been waiting to see, um, but it will be an investment, certainly more investments in real estate and um, diversifying. But I just, you know, it's the exploring that I want to see by meeting people like you and, and everybody else that I'm meeting through my podcast. It's been amazing. Awesome. I love your journey. So like, you know, like I, I, lo- I don't love what you went through by any means. I don't mean it like that, but I love what you have turned it into, right? So you went from someone who didn't know where she was going to live to now you're in the passive investor choices of where you're going to invest your money. I just, money that you've created, like just super awesome. I just absolutely love that, you know? And I think the lesson too is we all have to ask ourselves ongoingly, whether you've been in, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years and it's, you have to ask the question, you know, what is what we're doing going to yield where we want to be? Sometimes it's very clear and sometimes you get into this like mode of just moving and making things happen and buying more properties and doing this and doing that. And you're like, hold on, is this going to move us towards where we want to go? I think what you're doing right now too is great is you're being very mindful. You know, I can't be as involved because this, that's what that would mean for me. You've clearly done that soul searching. So I just, I, I encourage the women listening, continually do the soul searching, continue to do the hard work of like, where do I want to be? How active or passive do I want to be? Not everyone wants to be as active. Not everyone wants, wants to be as passive. Um, and there's no right or wrong, but it, you have to be clear, you know, and, and then you work backwards, the 10, 10, and 10. Okay, for me to get there, I need to do this. And then you surround yourself with some amazing people to help you navigate. But I, I get that question all the time. So is Andressa. Is this a good time to get an Airbnb? This is a good time to get into multifamily. What about self-storage? I don't know. What are your goals? Where do you want to be? I don't, can't answer that question. Right. Do you even ask me that question? 
Where right? are I you? Mean, I don't mean to be mean, but it's not even the first question, right? It's the strategy question. It's the, it's, it's the, um, it's an important question, but not the first question. The first question is to say, where do I want to actually be, you know, and, and, and what, what's going to take me there. I, I had a woman come up to me at the um, bigger pockets conference. And I've said this because it makes me, it's so helpful to think about this. And she goes, you know, all this talk is syndication. Maybe I should get into syndication. I said, do you own your properties right now? She's like, yeah, I own, we own about 50 units ourselves, me and my husband. And it's very lucrative. And I said, how many more do you need to buy for you to yield the money you need to get out of the quote unquote rat race or wherever you want to be? I think we'd need about 10 more units to get us really where we want to go. I'm like, yeah, I don't think syndicating makes any sense for you right now. Keep doing what you're doing. So we get so distracted. We get so, I'm not saying syndication is not a good thing. I'm, 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 I'm a, we're a syndicator. I love syndication. I love buying big apartment buildings, but I have to tell you, if you don't know where you want to be, people can't help you get there because it's not all the right path for everyone. So I just wanted to say that because I literally get into these conversations with people all the time. Like, why are you asking yeah. if Airbnb is a good time right now? I don't even know your goals. I don't know. Where do you live? Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about that first. You know? So right. I don't mean to be me. It's not a mean thing because I'll just help people anyway. Uh, but, but regardless, you got to know where you want to be and you got to know right. what those goals are. And no one can do that for you except you. Then the vehicle, the strategy, the, okay, what's going to make the most sense? What's the, what's the most profitable, easiest, uh, quickest way to get there? Then those are great conversations, right. not the first one. So I just, sorry, I had to get off my, get off my, get off my um, what do they yeah. call it? The um, soapbox. Soapbox, thank you. So, <laughs> but it was good. No, and, but it was good. I, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I do, some some one-on-one coaching and usually I'm, I'm walking people through um, a myriad of things and it really is about your relationship with money so what what is wealth and again finger quotes to you to me it's time and options that's not a lot of money plus I always have three numbers in my head what I need to survive what I need to breathe and what I need to be comfortable right so um, those numbers have changed over the years but most people are kind of will tell you and even really smart, very accomplished people. I have no idea what I owe on, on my mortgage. I don't know how much my bills are. I don't know what my carrying costs are. I don't know what's in my retirement. And it's like, all right, well, let's look at that. Right. And then let's look at what is important to you. Is it really important to you to, you know, drive a Range Rover and have designer bags? Maybe it is. That's a different level. Um, you know, for me also at my age, I'm just focused on, I want to work less and make more. I want to have more time for grandchildren. I want to have more time for um, just enjoying the rest of my life and being able to share, you know, what I've experienced um, and help other women in that process. And probably because everything was so tumultuous. I mean, if you had raised your children and maybe had a peaceful, you know, first 40 years of your life raising your kids, you might come out of, out of that going, I'm ready to take on the world. I want to be a CEO, et cetera. But I've always been really clear. Like, I don't want to be a CEO. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be deciding which toilets we're going to put into the multifamily, how many HVAC units we need. I, you know, I don't want to do that. So right now my investments are really anything that generates income. I'm open to seeing, um, but I love real estate um, for all the obvious reasons. But I think that's just a great, um, and I, not that men don't go through this too, but women are um, the mothers, the primary caretakers. 
We are also statistically the ones who take care of our family when they're sick, meaning our mothers or aunts or grandmothers, whatever. If, if my, you know, in-laws get sick, it's likely that the women of the family are likely to take, whether that's right or wrong, that is what happens. And so where are you in your life and what do you need? Um, I, I can't tell you the amount of my happiness factor has gone through the roof. Um, that doesn't mean that my income potential is higher. It's less since I've left my corporate job because I was adding that to the other incomes, but I'm just so much happier. And um, I just, you know, it's a constant thought of like, well, how much do I really need? You know, uh, you know, to be comfortable. I don't want to be scared and um, not having my money scares me. Uh, so I hate that. <laughs> now, that was a great point, Jennifer. The, the idea of asking yourself, what is important to me now, right? It's so helpful because in five years, five years ago, that, that question's different. And, and I, I also want to say a lot of women are, are ambitious and we often compare ourselves to this future self, right? This made up, make believe future self. And we'd feel a lot more peaceful if we start comparing where we've been. You know, if you mm -hmm. think about it, look where you've been, Jennifer. Look what you've oh, yeah. accomplished. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so inspiring. It really is. Thank you. Do we focus enough on all the things we have done versus the things we haven't done? I know, and I'm, I'm saying that because I'm such a bad example of this. <laughs> I often compare myself to this future Liz that exists. And I'm like, it's just, it's a, it's a road of a lot of, non-peacefulness, to be honest with you. And it's very, very, um, to compare yourself to something that's not around yet. And I don't mean it in like inspiring way. I mean it like I haven't accomplished this yet way that doesn't make us feel good. Um, you're going to beat yourself up. So look yeah. back to see the things you have done. I don't care if you bought no properties, you bought like 85 properties. What have you done? What have you accomplished? Right? So we could all live in that place a little bit more, but, or I'm just speaking personally, maybe I'm the only one that does that. Um, oh, no, absolutely. But without, you know, I want to make sure uh, you get a chance because you sounds like you got some great resources for women. Uh, where can the women listening learn more about you and all the, the great things you're up to and this, this uh, cool passive approach you're taking. I love it. And all the stuff you got to share. So where can they learn more about you, Jennifer? Well, I'd love, uh, for them to listen and subscribe to the Micro Empires podcast. It's a little green crown. Um, and uh, you can also find information at my website, which is micro-empires.com. I do have uh, the, the ebook that I talk about. It's free. There's no strings attached. Um, it's kind of a little workbook, kind of walking you through those steps. And I, I, I now intuitively use those steps all the time. Um, certainly drop your email. I'm, I'm going to come out with some products like classes and such things that I have to, you, you know, you find yourself repeating the same things over and over again. That's usually the thing that you should probably put into something and, and provide it to people. So I'm going to do that. A lot of that is around um, just presence and networking and things like that. Um, and, you know, I, I love it when people reach out. I'm starting to get a lot more interaction with folks on um, socials. I'm on all, all the socials, either under my name, Jennifer Grimson or Micro Empires. Um, but send me an email or send me a text. All of that's available at the website. So I would love that. And I do offer some one-on-one -on -one coaching if, if anybody's interested in that. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book have you ever read? 
Um, it, well, it doesn't have anything to do with business, uh, but it's a book called The Gift of Fear, and it's by Gavin DeBecker. And I read it probably when I was in my early 20s. And it, the premise is, and one of my goals is to have him on the show. I'm not really sure how I'd have him on the show and talk about money, but I'll figure it out. Um, the premise is that we're all born uh, with a sixth sense, which is fear, which is what animals are born with. But we stop listening to it, especially women, right? So if you feel something like, oh, I don't feel good about this, you get trained the older you get as to don't be don't be not nice, be nice, you know, and this is how uh, women often are either hurt uh, physically or emotionally or whatever. So it's this incredible book. And what it told me was to go ahead and listen to that gift, that sixth sense of fear that I had been pushing down, pushing down, pushing down. And I started listening to that in my 20s, and I think it saved my life. It certainly saved my life once in the Middle East when I was traveling by myself. Um, and I go with it. So sometimes uh, you, could, you could call it judgmental. Sometimes I'm not right all the time. Sometimes I'll be like, mm, I don't like that person. And I'm totally wrong. Totally wrong. Okay. So what? I'm wrong. But I've been right a lot of the times, or just not right for me. But I, I certainly think in work, in, when you're like, gee, I, I feel like I got passed over for that job, or why, why am I not being allowed to go to the conference when everybody else is, you know, look that right in the face and grab it by the throat is usually my approach. So that's my favorite book. I love that. I need to check that out mm -hmm. for sure. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Oh, well, I should uh, say exercise, but that would be a lie. So, um, <laughs> all of us, right? Well, I mean, I know, no, I Liz know you run. Liz, Liz runs, and yep. you know, I used to be a runner, and then I'm like, Meh. anyway. Um, I think I think what I do is I ask. So asking for what you need, asking uh, is a muscle that I think uh, many people forget to use or don't feel good about. I'm here on the show because I asked. Um, I asked to meet Ashley and I, I asked. And the answer can still be no. I, and my muscle, my asking muscle is so well developed now that I ask questions and I know that not everybody could see this visually, but I'll be on the phone asking a question and I'm cringing because I can't believe what's coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to ask anyway. And I think I have an 85 to 90% hit ratio. Um, and there's a great book called Women Don't Ask, which statistically shows how it, how it affects your bottom line in your salary over your career. Um, and it's really, really powerful. So I ask for something every day that I need uh, in my relationship, in my business, in whatever it is that I need and whether I think I deserve it or not. That's amazing. One of the reasons why we have created investor meetups around the country, which are now all virtual. You have 26 plus um, all virtual in your you know, living room or bed, whatever you want to watch it. But the reason why Liz and I created the, the, the meetups is that we want to create a safe environment where women could raise their hands and ask the question that they didn't feel comfortable asking other, other situations. And that will allow them to feel comfortable and go in any other uh, event and still raise their hand. And I remember on our first 
time Liz and I were there and this lady raised her hand and so she started getting very emotional about it and she said this is the first time I had the courage to raise my hand and ask a question and this is a big deal and we're like that's why we created this so for all the ladies out there you can still ask your questions virtually nowadays so check it out the last yeah. Last question for you is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Um, well, I, uh, I could name a lot of women. Uh, certainly, uh, I, I, uh, I wish I could build like a, a Franken woman with all the amazing, you know, my mother for how she developed friendships, my, my daughter, my granddaughter, and certainly famous women. Honestly, in this podcast, that the women that I've interviewed, and I know you guys have had this experience, they are so phenomenal. Not a single woman has come forward and said, yeah, I got started in my business because I got a business loan and I got started because only 4% of all commercial loans are given to women ever, let alone if you're a woman of color. So every single woman, there's this strand of strength and grit and the majority of them are single moms. Many of them have a high school diploma and that's it. And they put it all on the line. So I, and there, and I love, so I can't name someone, but it's all of them and, and the, the combination. And probably what I admire the most is the women who are just unapologetically exactly who they are, whatever that is. And I'm drawn to it like a moth to a flame. So I love it. I love it. That's a, it's a great, it's a great visual. And, and you're right. Sometimes we meet, we meet women and we're like, I love so many different qualities because it, you know, because if you're really being your true self, you probably emulate a couple things that you just shine, right? Makes you shine. Uh, it's hard to do it all and be it all. It's just nonsense. Quite honestly, right. it's not even real. So I love right. that. Um, I, thank I will, I will say that um, a woman who I interviewed this week, uh, your friend of mine, and this isn't just a brown nose is Ashley Wilson. And I mean, she just blows my mind. She we're blows. We're by, by like, talk about her. <laughs> I, she's like so incredible, so interesting, yes. and she's only getting started. So, I mean, that's just one example. No, absolutely, absolutely, and um, and you're one of them. So, thank you for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, it's very inspiring. So, appreciate your time. Appreciate you very much. Thank you, guys. This was amazing. So glad thank to be you. here. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.